Hello and welcome to the Key Moment podcast. I'm your host, Leisha Holmes, and this is a podcast by a recruiter with guests from across the business world. So whether you're a fellow recruiter, an entrepreneur seeking inspiration, or a business enthusiast just listening in, you have come to the right place. Each episode, I'll be interviewing people who are experts in their fields on a variety of hot topics. So thank you for listening to The Key Moment. Joining me on The Key Moment is Emma Downey, who is a freelance marketing consultant and founder of Women Who Do and a fellow cake enthusiast. Welcome to you, Emma. Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. First of all, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, Emma? Yeah, okay. So um, I have worked in marketing for seven years and I went freelance um, last July, which has been fantastic so far. Um, But probably the most exciting thing is um, starting Women Who Do back in July 2017. and it's just been very it's it's been incredible really so i'm based in hampshire um and i run events down here um and in london that's very exciting so what what is women who do for anybody that's not aware of of this so um our aim is to connect support and empower women and it's about creating a space where we make women feel welcome to come along and share um, their experiences, things that they find difficult, but it's in a really informal, lovely uh, atmosphere. So we're well, there's no sales pitches, nobody has to stand up and, and give an elevator pitch. It is very much about coming along, uh, having a cup of tea, having a croissant and meeting like-minded women in your area that you can then bring together to create a support network for yourself it sounds like a a fantastic thing to have started and from my perspective obviously I am a huge champion of of embracing all that women are and all that women can Mm. achieve so having come from a marketing background and obviously having set up the women who do um movement I think there's a, a general consensus that you know there's there's um social media pressure to be a certain way and act a certain way and airbrush your way and filter your way out of maybe what the reality is from a very general perspective what do you think women can do to enhance their own sort of professional brand and reputation without having to be fake and to stay authentic to who they really are I think it's really important that um, you stay on your own track and that you're looking at yourself in a really positive way and that comes from not being sucked into things like social media airbrushing and remembering that social media as a tool is there to always deliver the best version of a brand and a person. Mm. And it's so difficult because for however many hundreds of years women have been um, looked at as having to always deliver your best self in appearance um, and in, in your attributes. And actually it's okay If you're coming to work and not bringing your best self, that's okay too. I think in terms of what you can do for your brand is to share the hard times and the struggles just as much as you share the highs. And especially with women who do, I use the stories quite a lot um, and will always share a time where I'm particularly struggling or if I've done something really disastrous because I think it's important that people especially when you're running um, an empowering community for women, it's important that people know that the 
the person behind that isn't a perfect person Mm, and they're just as likely to have a terrible day as everybody else and about how you cope with that rather than just put a sheer over it and pretend everything's absolutely hunky-dory yeah exactly that and Mm. and one of the reasons I started women who do was because I thought it's about blooming time that we had more platforms where we can share our experiences good and bad but in a way that we're not going to feel like we're being judged so when you come along to like an event and like we're very active on social media and quite often sparking debates about different things and I'm very very vocal especially about um, airbrushing and um, things like diet pills and everything like that I think it's important that as women we collectively support one another in every decision we make but also to be able to educate ourselves and other people and the generations after us about the how social media can be affecting your perceptions of other people. And yourself as well. And yourself, exactly. That's true. So, I mean, look, I mean, obviously you are keen to promote the concept of this, this cheerleader, you know, this tribe of mm-hmm. women and having gone through um, quite a sort of stressful personal journey myself since 2016 um I have also sort of been aware of who my close allies are and I've been very authentic and um equally sharing on social media um I guess the highs and the lows without oversharing and I was wondering whether as a more mature woman I'm in my 40s whether that's something that you become more aware of as you get older or whether you think it's something that is, is almost it's irrelevant what your age is that you become aware of what the impacts of the people around you have on your perception of yourself in addition to how you feel that you know you you are who you are and you trust that that's the person you've become do you think there's an element of you learn it as you go along or do you think it's something that comes as, as you get older so I think that it's probably a mixture of different things and I think one of them is that you get older you just care a lot less about what people think of you. I think you become much more confident in yourself. And that comes from, you know, I'm 31 now. And when I was 21, I was much more worried. I was more worried about what people would think of me, of, of, of things that I was going to say that. And now I think I just don't care as much. I think I embrace everything, all my flaws and all of my strong points. I embrace them equally. I think, you know, I talk too much, which before I'd been told I was really annoying and now I just think well I talk too much that's it you just have to deal with it um I'm I'm very much like Marmite people either love me or hate me and I think it's great you know because then I know that the people that do love me I'm gonna have a really strong connection with so I think it definitely comes with an age and experience thing and Mm. and a growing thing but Mm. I think it also comes as a generational era thing I think at the moment what's amazing about especially in the last sort of couple of years 2018 and this and going into 2019 women are being encouraged more to embrace every um, faucet of their entire personality and body. And I think that's what's making it easier for us to then embrace ourselves when other people are doing it for you as well. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think there's definitely a shift. I mean, I've got two teenage daughters, so they're being brought up on an appetite of social media. You know, Snapchat is the way that they communicate, you know, WhatsApp is very passe in their generation. So Snapchat's whole sort of notion is about the filters, isn't it? And 
Um, my younger daughter uses TikTok and it's all about changing images using music. And as a parent to them, I'm very conscious that I want them to have very good sort of self-awareness, but also good self-esteem that you can just be the best you are. I mean, they're both very different. My older daughter's um, into alternative music. So she's an emo. So she wears a lot of dark, you know, dark clothes, etc. Whereas my younger ones, you know, Ariana Grande lookalike. So but they, they embrace who they are. And I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them to look a certain way. So I think that the women who do whole premise is absolutely remarkable because it's about encouraging their generation to go, okay, that's fine if that's what you want to do, but actually this is who I am. What, what would you say to say, for example, my daughters, you know, in terms of how to be sure not to surround yourself with toxic people um, now and be, you know, be just conscious of, of who around you isn't going to be good going forward. So um, my sister is 10 years younger than me um, and my other sister is only three years old. So I um, have a, a wealth of, of, of experience, of, especially with my um, sister, who's 21, of trying to speak to her about toxic relationships. Um, and they're normally toxic friendships where those people don't want to see her be successful um they don't want to see her making other friends or being happy without them when she went to university she had a lot of problems with friends that she had had when she was at home and it's so difficult because you need them to learn for themselves and they need to learn in order to strengthen their own confidence and personality that they can deal with difficult situations and that they have the right skills to be able to eject people from their lives that aren't bringing positive things when you've experienced yourself, you're in the situation where you can say, look, you need to be able to feel confident and and strong in yourself and be able to say to people and have the guts to say to people, look, this friendship is not working for me. This isn't doing my per- like me personally any good. Mm-hmm. And it, it get, again, it comes back to the confidence thing, it, that confidence to be able to upset people in a way and tell people that, you know, it's not a good relationship for you. It comes with age and and having that kind of confidence. I think when it comes to being around toxic people, we've all been there. And the reason that now, as in as kind of as we get older, that we can step back from it. I, for one, always now, if I know that I'm getting into a friendship that I think actually this is completely one-sided and the only thing I get from this is negativity, I'm much better at being like taking a step back and really taking Mm. myself out of the situation because you don't have a massive amount of resources within you. And it's difficult to always give somebody everything and get nothing in return. And also having to keep your self-esteem really high. Mm. And I'm so aware of that now that I just don't, I think in a very selfish way, I just don't have the time to give my time to other people what you've talked about there regarding toxic relationships in a personal context very often we can make a choice but in a work environment very often we have to put up with people that might create negative feelings who are you know ultimately acquaintances whether we like it or not so as an employer myself and a large part of our audience will be employers too what can they do to encourage a cheerleading culture internally which won't necessarily compromise competitive environments, for example, certainly in recruitment, I'm sure it's the same in advertising, in legal, that you have a natural competitive environment, but to actually embrace more of a cheerleading, celebrating women, as you've said, 
rather than sort of being competitive and saying, well, you know, she's done this because she's done this. It's actually, that's great. You are amazing at what you do because of who you are. What can we do as employers to encourage that? So I think it happens across men and women. I think uh, women and men can be just as competitive with each other, Um, especially so in my last workplace, for example, I really struggled with a member, a male member of staff there. Um, it was so much more than just a clash, clash of personalities. And the way I dealt with it um, was to try, when I started in that company, I, it was really obviously clear that there was a clear divide between introverts and extroverts. And there was no cross-departmental communications. There was no project working on projects together. It was all very set out in, in your own departments. I think as employers, what's really, really important is that you get your staff to respect one another first and foremost, Mm -hmm. because as soon as your staff begin to respect the other people they're surrounded by, they will, regardless of how competitive the environment is, if you respect someone, you'll always take a step back when it gets to the point where it could almost be um, toxic or kind of bullying or, or whatever the form looks like. It's such a difficult job to get so many different personalities working together that it often takes an external person coming into the business and looking at it and looking at how people work together and looking at where there are chinks in the in the chain. Mm. Very and often think, it can start it can start with the with the board or with the directors, can't it? Yeah, and I think as well you have to really, really remember that the people that with their feet on the ground, the people that are the grassroots of the company and that are putting in the hours and doing, you know, the 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 slogging work, they're the ones that you need to speak to. They're the ones that are the most likely to feel disgruntled and most mm-hmm. likely to feel undervalued and that generates an environment where they're going into work and feeling negative about the business and when you feel negative about the business you equally feel negative about your colleagues especially mm-hmm. if they're really really successful so what I find quite often is a detachment between uh, like a board of directors and the admin staff for example mm-hmm. because the directors take no time in getting to know the admin staff getting to know how they function their personalities and what their problems are they try and make a very broad brush st- statement they'll send everybody away on a team day but as soon as everybody comes back into the office they slot back into exactly how they are before. Mm, It's a shame, isn't it, really? I mean, these are so many takeaway points for anyone listening of of when you sit and think about your personal circle of friends, but also the people around you at work. And I think there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from this. And, you know, I think you've been a fantastic guest, Emma. I really found it very um, motivating. And as a mum of two girls, as I say, I think uh, I'll make sure that they listen to this podcast. And just one final question, and that is, what is your top mantra for success? So um, mine changes all the time. Um, At the minute, mine is... um, that when you're having a bad day, just remember how bloody awesome you are on a good day. And I think that's so important because, you know, working in freelance is up and down all the time. And there can be days where I'm like, this is terrible. What have I done? I want to go back to work. And I just have to check in with myself and be like, actually, I rock. And what I do is great. And I'm having a bad day today, but yesterday I totally smashed it. And that's what everybody should think like that. Definitely. Emma, you definitely rock. Thank you. You've been a fantastic guest on The Key Moment. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for dropping into The Key Moment podcast. 
You can listen through iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and SoundCloud or whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Just search for The Key Moment and be sure to subscribe to get a brand new episode every week. We'll see you soon.